You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. So we've been talking about prayer for the last two weeks, and um, this is the third week on prayer. And this week, I want to trust. Uh, I want to talk about trust and our response to unanswered prayer. But first, I want to cap, kind of talk about what we talked about last week. Last week, we said that Jesus never taught his disciples about preaching, um, but he uh, did teach them about prayer, and he loves to teach us how to pray. The context for this is that Jesus is our teacher, and like every teacher, he has a classroom, and the classroom that he teaches us in is an intimacy with the Father, okay? And so the first week, we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of intimacy with the Father being our secret place, and finding him, spending time with him. Last week, we reinforced that. And, um, and then I w- we went on to teach last week that, uh, that we know we're in Jesus' classroom when we're experiencing the Father's love for us. So we know that we're in the right classroom with Jesus when we're experiencing the Father's love. Why? Because that is the lesson that Jesus always teaches. Where we said that lesson one, day one, is the Father loves you. Lesson two, lesson one, day two, is that the Father loves you and desires for you to experience his love. Um, and I got home, and Laura's like, you need to run your talks by me. And I was like, what do you mean? And this is usually where I just get depressed and angry and hurt. She's like, well, what does that mean we experience the Father's love? You need to tell people, what does that mean? How do we know that we're in the right classroom? Okay, we experience God's love, but how do we do that? You know, and so basically the right classroom is when we engage with Jesus through prayer, meditation, spending time in his word, worship, fasting, soaking, or just listening to worship on our own uh, in solitude and silence, listening to the Father and allowing Jesus to teach us how to pray. And we know that this is happening because when we grow, we trust the Father more. We trust God more. We experience peace in our life. We experience his love, and we stop worrying. Anxiety resides in our life. Peace and joy grow in their measure. That's how we know that we're in the right classroom. That's how we know that we're in the Father's presence, is that there's a tangible expression of change in our life. And that's why we talk about this so much in our church. The first pillar of our church is that we is experiencing the Father's love, that everything flows out of that because so many of us have wounds in that area, either because of authority figures in our life or father figures in our life, and it affects the way we see God. And if we don't see God as a loving father, we aren't gonna go to pray pray to him, are we? We're not gonna trust him with more of our life. And again, this week I wanna talk and look at how trusting God affects how we pray and why we might not receive the answers to our prayers. Now, I want to say this first. I want to be sensitive to this, and, and, and really, uh, I know that this is a tricky subject because many of you have been praying for a long time to see God move in your life, and you feel like he hasn't. Um, you've been praying for healing in the life of someone that you know or someone that's very sick um, or a member that, of your family and that you're praying for salvation and I know that these unanswered prayers have brought you, have brought you must, a lot of frustration, a lot of pain, and even anger. 
with God. So I want to be sensitive, and I want you to know that this is not Antley has all the answers about why prayer is not being answered. Uh, This is an opportunity to continue to meet with Jesus and ask him how to teach us to pray, and specifically how trusting God is central to that reality. James 4, 2 and 3 says this. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I, re- I read this and I thought, man, this is, the perfect, this is the perfect scripture for my talk, right? So I'm just thinking, all I have to do is uh, teach people what's wrong with their passions, and, and then get them right, you know? I mean, that's what it says. You, you don't get prayers answered because your passions are jacked up. You spend your prayers praying for yourself. And, and so I thought that, and I, um, and I, and I sent a, an email out or text out to a number of people in our church that are like super prayers, and uh, they pray all the time. They're intercessors for us, and they know a lot more about prayer than me. And so I sent this email out asking them, hey, help me understand, or what do you think about unanswered prayer? What does Judith, Judith McNutt think about unanswered prayer? What does Francis McNutt know about unanswered prayer? What are their responses to this struggle that we have, this real struggle that we have? And, and one of the people wrote this back to me. They said, this is what's difficult about teaching people about unanswered prayer, after encouraging someone to launch out into love. So after we spend these two weeks speaking to people about the importance of abiding with the Father, he says, um, life and power with God, it's hard enough to build hope and expectation that will carry through uh, and after church. And often introducing what to do in case of failure or hard times makes it even harder. So at this person, I read this and I thought, man, that's so true, um, that... We struggle to believe that God loves us. We struggle to believe that God has, has a plan for us. We struggle to believe that, um, that he wants to answer our prayers, that he's a loving father and that he loves us. And, and, and this person was making the point. And so if you teach them what you're not doing, Antley, you're making it even more difficult for them to believe that abiding in Christ is the solution to these things. And so this is not going to be God is not answering your prayers for these reasons, talk. That would just discourage us. And what we've been saying is that Jesus is our teacher. He will bring us to the Father as we grow in our, and as we grow in our intimacy with him, we will know how to pray. He will teach us how to pray. And our passions will change. We will learn how to pray his will. We will learn how to pray in the name of Jesus. We will learn how to persevere and to persist in prayer. And so these are the things that will happen as we pursue Jesus and he takes us to the Father. And the promises, you know, from Jesus is as you come to me, I will teach you. But so often we read a list, you know, we read, there's so many things out there that say, if you're not giving unanswered praise, it's because you're not doing this. 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 And that's like sin management, isn't it? And it puts the onus on us to correct our life. When what we've been teaching the whole time is that the way we learn how to pray is by spending time with Jesus. And Jesus promises to take us to the Father and we learn his heart. 
We learn his will. We learn what it means to be intimate with, with him so that he can bless us and we receive his love and then we can build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we abide in Christ, we allow him to be our teacher. And I have a verse that's redundant, but this is going to be the platform that I teach on every week, the importance of abiding in Christ. And this is a different scripture. There are scriptures all through the Bible about that one issue, about that one struggle that we have, and it's a foundation to prayer. And this is Luke eleven nineteen 19 to 13. This is Jesus speaking. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Look at how Jesus uses his words which mean almost the same thing. And each time repeats the promise so distinctly. You shall receive. You shall find. It will be open to you. I mean, those are promises from Jesus. This is what will happen. And then gives the ground, a ground for such assurance, the law of the kingdom. He that asks will receive. He that seeks will find. To him that knocks it will be open to you. So how do we receive the kingdom? How do we experience the kingdom of God? We ask, we knock, we seek, and we'll find. He wants to impress in our minds this one truth. And this one truth is, is what all prayer is founded on and grounded in. That we may and must confidently expect an answer to our prayer. His desire, God's desire, and this scripture and many others is that we would understand that when we ask, we will receive. When we knock, he will open the door to us. So what prevents us from asking and trusting God, expectant that God hears us, loves us, and knows what we need and will give us everything that he has? I think there's three things, there's more than three things, but there's three things I thought of. And uh, the next three weeks I'm going to teach about them, or the next two weeks after this week. I think trust, I think faith, and persistence or perseverance affect the way that we pray and affect unanswered prayer in our life. And this week I want to teach on trust. We don't ask with confidence that God will give us everything we need because we have not given him every part of us. If we hold back from God, we will always wonder if he's holding back from us. You see what I'm saying there? If we hold back from God, we'll wonder when an unanswered prayer comes, does God really want to bless me? Does God really love me? Does he really desire to give me everything that I ask? Here's an illustration to that. There's a little girl who has a bunch of candies and a little boy who has a bunch of marbles. And the little boy goes to the little girl and says, I'll trade you all of my marbles for all of your candies. Then she thinks and she says, okay, I'll do that. He goes back to his room. She goes back to his room. She goes back to her room. They both go back to their rooms. (laughs) They both go back to their rooms. 
She gets the candy. He gets the marbles. And she gets all of her candy. She gets all of her candy. And the boy gets all of her marbles. But then he's like, you know, these two marbles are the prettiest marbles I have. She'll never know if I give those to her or not. I'm just going to put those under my pillow. And he brings the rest of the marbles out, and they exchange them and go back to the rooms. And the little girl that night sleeps deeply, without worry, without anxiety. But the little boy can't sleep that night. You know why? It's not because the marbles under his pillow create a lumpy situation. It's because he's wondering if the little girl has given him all her candies. You see, because he had not given her all of what he had, he doubted that she had not given him all that she had. And isn't that the way we treat God? We hold back from God, and we wonder if he's holding back from us. If we don't give all of ourselves to God, if we don't trust, we won't trust that he is giving all of his blessings to us. When we believe that God is holding back from us, and not answering our prayers, it is often because we haven't trusted him with all of our life and we wonder if he's holding back from us. Now, I'm not saying that God does not answer prayer, our prayers, because we do not trust him. Because again, that would be a formula that we would then go and be like, I gotta trust God more. I'm gonna go trust God more. Those are works. That's a works theology The response to that is, I need to go to Jesus. Lord, teach me to pray. Help me trust the Father more. Help me give everything to him. Yield in every area of my life. I'm saying that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful. How are they powerful? Because he abides in the Lord. He goes to the Lord for life and trusts the Lord with all of his life. He knows what the Father's heart is. You see, God loves us too much to answer our prayers and bless our mistrust. God loves us too much to answer our prayers and bless our mistrust. He wants us more than he wants to answer our prayers. He wants us more than he wants to answer our prayers. Right? And so, as we're asking for things and we're seeking things and we are not seeking him, why would he bless us? Why would he answer our prayers and affirm a broken relationship with him when what he wants more than anything is intimacy with us, love with us? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths, he will make straight your paths. Trust the Lord, not yourself, especially when things don't make sense. Especially when you're hurt or angry with God. Especially when he does not answer your prayers the way you feel like he should. And again, we've said this every week. Don't let your feelings trump the truth. And the truth is, God is a good father. The truth is, he knows what you need. The truth is, he will always give you what you need, but maybe not what you want. One person in River City Church says this, I've learned in many years that being content with 
Thy will be done is best for me. Not easy, but is best. It's an older RCC member. I'm not going to tell you who it is, especially now. (laughs) We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. With all of our heart, we're to trust in the Lord. And when we do, we bring him everything and trust that he will give us everything that we need. So when our prayers are not answered, we do not ask why. We press in and pray. We draw close to Jesus, our teacher, trusting that he is teaching us and leading us and is with us, even when we don't understand, and especially when we are in pain. This is a story that illustrates that. And again, I want to be sensitive to this because I know a number of people in our church have um, struggled with losing a child. And this is a story about that that I think powerfully represents this truth that I'm teaching today. Um, The setting of this story is a family that has four children. And all of these births, um, the fourth in particular, were a miracle. Extremely hard pregnancies with a lot of complications, uh, even threatening the life of the mother. And uh, the fourth one, when he was born, was a miracle. I mean, it was just amazing when I read this story. And you would think, oh man, that's, that's awesome. God answered the prayer and there's this miracle baby. But the father of this family, after the fourth baby was born, had a lot of anger, had questions and disappointment with God. He even said that he did not trust God, that he did not believe in healing anymore or miracles anymore. Why? He had just had this miracle baby. Why wouldn't he believe in those things? Why wouldn't he trust that God is providing for him and answering his prayers? What I didn't tell you is that they lost their second baby, who was also a boy. And they prayed and prayed for him to be healed, for him to live as well. They had others praying and praying, but he died. And so when the fourth baby lived, He was thankful, but he was also very confused and angry and bitter towards God. He stopped trusting him and believing that God cared for him. He was doing a Bible study on the book of John. He was reading chapter 6, and he came to the verse where Jesus was talking about having to eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life. And it said that many turned away when when they heard this teaching because it was so hard. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know you that you are the Holy One of God. John 6, 67 to 69. He read this and realized, like Peter that he had nowhere else to go but Jesus. Peter trusted God, not knowing what Jesus was talking about. There had been no communion yet. They hadn't had the Lord's Supper. There had been no Passover together. Yet Jesus is talking about eating eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And Peter trusted him, not understanding, not knowing what that even meant. He knew that Jesus was the source of life. He knew that Jesus was the only hope that he had. And so he placed his trust in him fully. And so this person, this is a quote from what they said. They felt what they experienced when they read this, when he 
kind of came this realization of how Peter trusted. It's going to put it up there, I think. Anytime. Do we have that? Nope. Those are the three things you do. If you don't have it, I'll just... Do you have it? No? This is what he said. And that's what pierced me, is that Peter did not need to understand. I did not need to know why my son died. I did not need to know that at all. It was okay not to know. It was okay just to trust God, even if I couldn't understand what was going on. That's what pierced me. I was weeping, and I was just like, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for not trusting you. I give my son to you. Please take good care of him. And there was this release that he said he experienced. It was the beginning of uh, restoration and reconciliation with the father. That's from Ed McCarthy. He's a member of our church, has three beautiful children, and is reconciled, is on the board of Christian Healing Ministries and praying and has grown in his faith as a result of an unanswered prayer. He has grown in his faith as a result of having to trust God, not only him, but his wife also, not only having to trust God when he answers us, and he has seen many answers to prayer, but learning to trust God when our prayers go unanswered. And God has gone all in for us. This is why, I mean, he crucified his son for us demonstrating his love for us. So when we receive an unanswered prayer, we can't say that God doesn't love us, right? Because God has shown his love for us in the crucifixion of his one and only son. We know that he loves us. We know that he's a good father. We know that he desires and knows what we need to give us everything we need, and he knows what we need. So when answers don't come, like we think they should, are we going to trust that he is good, that he is a loving father, that he knows what we need and will give it, or are we going to trust something else, someone else? Are we going to go to alcohol, drugs, an affair, our family, our wife, education? What are you going to trust? Or maybe you'll just shut down and not trust anyone to protect your heart. There's no life there. In the darkness of being isolated and secluded. For not trusting Jesus, we're trusting someone or something else. If we're holding back from trusting God with all of our life, even the parts we don't understand, like the little boy with his marbles, we are always going to struggle with trusting God and believing that prayer even matters. And if we don't trust God, we're going to stop praying. And if we stop praying, we aren't going to enter the classroom that Jesus has created to teach us how to pray. And if we stop praying and stop experiencing the Father's love, we stop experiencing eternal life, life to the full that Jesus offers. And we stop spending time with the only one who can teach us to pray, who understands what it's like to have an unanswered prayer. And so if you find, this, find yourself in this place, and I think all of us probably have, and um, I think this is something we wrestle with. I think this is something that has discouraged us and that really affects 
how we pray and if we pray. So that's why we're going to kind of teach on this for the next few weeks. If you find yourself in this place, there's three things I think we can do. These aren't like rules. They're suggestions. They're strong suggestions. That's what you say in Young Life at Camp. We have no rules. We just have some strong suggestions. First of all, we do this. If we're, having, if we're struggling with God, we're struggling with loving Him, we're struggling with believing He loves us, we're struggling with Him maybe not having an answer to prayer for us, the first thing we need to do is we need to go back to square one. We need to abide in Jesus. We need to go back to Jesus because He'll comfort you. We know that He promises He's interceding for you all the time. And He understands what it feels like to not get an answer that He wants from the Father. What? What? When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, take this cup from me. The Father said, he didn't answer him. And Jesus said, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knows what it feels like to approach the Father, to cry out to him. I mean, really cry out to him and to hear silence and then to know what God is speaking to us, to know what we really need to do. And so he understands, he comforts, he says that he's a high priest, that he knows everything that we struggle with, that sin was not uncommon to him, that he, knew, that he knows every struggle that we, that we struggle with, including an unanswered prayer. The second thing we're going to do, so we're abiding in Jesus, the second thing is we keep praying. We pray more than ever. I mean, it's the exact opposite response than we feel, right? I mean, many of you have probably experienced this with worship. You're having, like, a crap day. Sorry, middle schoolers. You're having a crap day, and you're like, I'm not worshiping today. And then you come into God's presence, and you start worshiping. And even though the circumstances of your life haven't changed, he's changed your heart. And the worry and the anxiety and the brokenness of your world doesn't change but you feel connected. You have a peace and a joy that's come as a result of worshiping him even when you didn't feel like it. Francis McNutt says, and he's like, he's like the Yoda of prayer, right? He is. If you've ever spent time with Francis McNutt, it is like you're spending time with Jesus. I'm not kidding you. The first time I ever got prayer from Francis McNutt we finished, and he's like, now you pray for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, I laid my hand on him, kind of expecting to get shocked or something. Or like Jesus to kind of come and say, Hanley, you don't need to be doing that. I got this cover. He's, he's like, we're together. And, uh, and he had a cold. He's like, yeah, just pray for my cold to be healed. And he wasn't. But I remember just like ter- being terrified. But Francis McNutt says this, healing is a mystery, We don't know when it will happen, but it happens more often when we pray than not praying at all, right? And so if we're having unanswered prayers in our life, he says, well, if you don't pray, you're not going to get any more answers, right? Because if we don't ask, how can we receive? If we don't knock, how will the door be opened unto us, right? So he says, pray, continue to pray, and expect God to move in your life. I read this. I don't know if I put this in my blog, but I read this at my dentist's office. It says, uh, only floss your teeth you, 
teeth you want to keep. And, and <laughs> I love that. And then I thought, only pray the prayers that you want to be answered. If we don't pray, what is there to answer? So that's an easy reminder. You're flossing your teeth, and you can be like, I'm going to keep this tooth, going to keep this tooth, going to keep this tooth. And you can reflect on, oh, man, I'm expecting an answer to this prayer. I'm expecting an answer to this prayer. But I haven't prayed about this, so might as well not expect an answer to that prayer. So I'll pray it, and I'll pray it again, and I'll pray it again. Next week, or in two weeks, we're going to talk about persistence of prayer. And here's the third point that I think is really cool and very powerful is that your patience glorifies God. And remember, whenever we looked at, when we looked at what is the chief end of man in the shorter catechism and in the big catechism, we talked about that a few weeks ago, that the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And so here's a truth that happens when we persevere and persist when God doesn't answer us. If we don't, oh wait, whoops. As you wait on the Lord, trust him when your prayers are unanswered, your faithfulness, your patience, not only is being tested, but glorifies God. It makes God more beautiful to the world. You see, if all of our prayers were answered, or the, you know, the, the world, I mean, that would be amazing, but how much more powerful is it when we remain loyal to God when he doesn't answer our prayers? When I was on my sabbatical a few years ago, which feels like 100, um, I went and I met with this, this like spiritual mentor in Colorado, and he kind of sent me off to spend time with Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus said to me was, will you still love me, Antley? Will you still follow me when I cause you to suffer? Will you still love me? And now, now, now I know a lot of people in this room are like, God didn't do that. I'm just telling you what I, I sense God told me. And of course, at the time, I answered yes. And two years later, it happened. And I was in a, a prayer session with someone, and Jesus just spoke to me and said, will you still love me, Antley? I was going through a hard time. And he says, will you still love me? Do you still trust me? Are, we, are you going to follow me? And I said, yes. And there was this intimacy with him that I'd never experienced before in the suffering of Jesus Christ. And being with him and understanding the suffering and the obedience that he experienced with the Father, I had this deep, incredible experience of intimacy with Jesus because he related to something or we related about something that I had never experienced before. And in that, you know, if our faith isn't tested, then it won't grow. And that's one of the things that happens in unanswered prayers, that it tests our faith. Do I still trust God? But the other more powerful thing is, and we said this the first day, the most powerful thing of intimacy with the Father comes in building the kingdom of God, comes in power. Because when we truly trust God, we go to him for intimacy, he speaks to us as we learn about his heart, the result is we build his kingdom. And when we choose to continue to build his kingdom in the midst of not hearing him answer us, in the midst of us suffering through loss and brokenness in our life, that is powerful. That speaks of a God, that speaks to the world in a way that having our prayers answered doesn't. 
The third thing is that we don't ask why. The scripture tells us that, that God's ways are not our ways. That, that there is this mystery with God that we will never understand. There's this mystery with healing. There's this mystery with when we pray for salvation with our family members or people at work that doesn't come, that we will never understand. We will never know. If we understood everything that God understood, he wouldn't be God. We would. Like Adam and Eve, they sought to have their eyes open, to understand the things of God, and it led to a brokenness and a separation from God. And when we ask the question why, it doesn't bring us to God, it brings us away from God. It pushes us away from him. We don't ask why because God will tell us when our heart is ready to receive it and not before. Again, creating trust, developing our faith, and causing us to persevere. The three things that I believe affect us when we receive or don't receive prayer or God doesn't answer us. Let's stand. So what does God do in this morning? You know, at River City Church, one of the unique things about what we do is at the end of every sermon, the end of every service, whether we have a sermon or not, is we have an opportunity for you to respond to what you sense Jesus is saying to you. And, and I think that many of us, this is an opportunity to bring us the frustration, the anger, the hurt that we felt, the confusion we've had whenever God hasn't answered us. And what do we ask for? Lord, help me to trust. Forgive me for not trusting you. Come, Holy Spirit, lead me to Jesus so that he can lead me to the Father. And so I would encourage you to come forward. If you've had an unanswered prayer, if there's something in your life that you haven't understood, something in your life that you're mad at God for, or something that in your life that, you know, that someone's done to you, and you're having a hard time forgiving them and trusting God with the relationship. So come forward. If our prayer ministers could come forward for any of those reasons. No, really, that means come forward. <laughs> we don't come forward because we're like jacked up or because something's like seriously wrong with us. We come forward because we want to receive more of God. We come forward because we want to trust God more. We come forward to receive prayer because we want to receive God's forgiveness. We want to receive life that's eternal. We believe that Jesus is God, that he has eternal life for us. So we come forward. I mean, why wouldn't we come forward? Because Jesus says there's always more, there's always more, there's always more. What if you left today with the burdens and the anger and the frustration, the being upset, transformed, that God speaks to you and brings peace and joy and happiness despite how you're feeling, despite the circumstances of your life? That would be a miracle, wouldn't it? That would be a miracle. If you want physical healing for anything, we'd encourage you to come forward. Talks like this, where faith is booming, where, where, where God is moving and encouraging us to trust him more, these are the fields of transformation. Everyone who's come forward and everyone who hasn't, God's desire is that you would trust him, that you would walk with him in the midst of feeling frustrated or angry. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. I encourage you to close your eyes, whether you're up front or not. Hold out your hands. That just tells our prayer ministers that you want to receive whatever God has for you. But if you're not up front, it's okay. You can just be with God where you are. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're just going to see what he wants to do with us this morning. And so we're just opening ourselves to him.
We're surrendering, we're yielding, we're saying, God, whatever you want, Father, whatever you want. So I'll pray now. Father, we invite you to send your Holy Spirit right now. We invite you to bless us with your presence. Come, Jesus. Bring us your forgiveness. Bring us eternal life, life to the full right now. Just come, Holy Spirit. We surrender to you. We yield to you. We open our our hearts to you. Come, Lord.